Hello gang, welcome back. I know, I am literally pumping out these podcasts now. I'm in my podcast girl era. I mean, I was a few years ago, but I got out of the routine of it. But we are now giving at least one episode a week, which I'm buzzing about. Um, So we're on to episode 45. And I wanted this week to revisit something I've spoken about quite a few times and I've got lots of other podcasts delving more into what PCOS is, um, some nutrition considerations, but today I really wanted to go back and talk about supplements. Um, I think when it comes to supplements in general, most people in the nutrition space will agree that we should always be taking a food first approach. This is like general population, right? Most people can get what they need from food, unless of course you have specific dietary requirements, which means that you cannot meet those daily recommendations um, or optimal levels you know, if you're deficient in something, you're really struggling to get into your diet, then we should supplement. But for most people, it's just really, really not necessary. And I think sometimes we jump too quickly to supplements. However, there are obviously then clinical conditions where alongside lifestyle interventions, there are supplements that may help. And you know what, if you've got the money and they are perfectly safe, why the frig would you not try them? Um, so some of them I've spoken about before, but we're going to recap anyway. I'm going to talk you through what they are, talk you through how they kind of work, what their main benefits are, and the strength of evidence around them. I do have a PDF resource that goes with this that includes some of the research that I'm going to talk around. Um, so you can go and delve into that because I like to keep this podcast short, so I'm not going to talk about the studies themselves. So, should we get stuck in? Let's get stuck in. There's probably going to be a mixture of people listening to this, right? There's going to be women that have polycystic ovarian syndrome, and there's probably going to be a lot of coaches that maybe work with women. I mean, with one in 10 women having PCOS, that number's probably higher if we're talking about women that are not yet diagnosed or going through diagnosis at the moment. The chances are, if you work with women, you are going to, at some point, work with a woman that has PCOS. So I'm not gonna delve into it too much, but the main concern that we have with polycystic ovarian syndrome is its impact on how we metabolize I'm saying we, I'm going to talk collectively. I don't have PCOS, but I'm very well versed in PCOS. Um, How we metabolize different nutrients, um, basically our metabolic function, our metabolic flexibility, and also insulin resistance is the main focus. So any lifestyle or nutrition intervention is mainly going to look at improving insulin sensitivity in order to improve other symptoms. So as a byproduct of improving insulin sensitivity, we can see that we sometimes reduce um, male hormone patterns, which further drive insulin resistance and then we also 
help reproductive function and menstrual cycle function, which is obviously one of the key symptoms of PCOS is that we either have missing or irregular periods and that's how it impacts fertility. So a lot of the supplements that we're going to talk about directly impact our blood sugar control, our insulin sensitivity or insulin resistance, whichever way you want to look at it. So they're where we're going to focus most of our attention. So if we start from like top down, right, we'll go with most evidence-based to kind of mm, watch this space. So one supplement that I always, always recommend, unless you are, I've had clients before that were going through clinical trials and they were told not to take anything else because obviously that would interfere with um, the results of those clinical trials. However, if none of that relates to you or your clients, then I would always recommend taking Myo Inositol. So inositol are a group of molecules that are kind of structurally similar to glucose and they are involved in cellular signaling. So inositol is actually synthesized in the body and we can also get it in the diet from things like citric fruits, bran, beans, nuts, seeds, um, but we can top that up again by taking it as a dietary supplement. So the majority of inositol supplements contain the myo-inositol form as that is the most kind of plentiful um, type, the most plentiful type of inositol, shall we say, that we find in the body. Um, so that's the one that we're going for. We're going for myo inositol. There is um, some other forms of inositol and there's some more research around the combination of those. I think a lot of supplements now maybe do contain combinations of different inositol, but you know, if you want to keep it simple, go for myo inositol. Um, most of the research around this shows myonositol being really, really helpful in fertility, also restoring some insulin sensitivity, especially when we see insulin resistance being really common in women with PCOS, um, which is also then linked to type 2 diabetes. So they're the main two things. However, interestingly, there are also some links to it um, reducing symptoms of anxiety as well and reducing testosterone which is linked to that insulin resistance and insulin sensitivity so we're looking at ovarian function increased insulin sensitivity slash reduced testosterone and also potential um reduction in anxiety and the strength of evidence is really robust in this um, when we're looking at type 2 diabetes and PCOS which are obviously quite similar in some ways so I would definitely say this is something to look into you're looking at between two to four grams a day now you can't just take it for two weeks and tell me nothing changes we need to at least be given it six months if not more to see its impact and this is alongside other things like dietary and exercise interventions, which I'm not going to talk about in this podcast, but I have done lots of posts and podcasts on this previously. Myronositol, two to four grams daily. You can get tablets, you can get powder. Doesn't really matter what time of day. As with anything, I say probably better to take it with food and probably optimal to take it at the same time every day. And if you're one of those scumbags that, oh, I forgot to take it again today, then 
Put it next to something you do every day. Brush your teeth. Turn on the kettle. Get your shoes. That would be a weird one. Why would you put your supplements next to your shoes? I don't know. You figure it out, right? Put it somewhere that you're going to see. It's going to prompt you something that you do every day. Next up, omega-3. So we're talking about either fish oils or if you're veggie or vegan, your algae. And we're looking at like one to two grams daily. So omega-3 are fatty acids. They are essential polyunsaturated fatty acids. That means that we need to consume them through our diet. We can't get them in the body. And we get them from things like fish, seafood, walnuts, flax seeds. Mainly oily fish, that's our main source. So if you're not eating two to three portions of oily fish a week, you probably want to be supplementing. Omegas have great anti-inflammatory properties and they are really crucial in brain development, brain health, and cardiovascular health. So Lots of really positive effects there. In terms of PCOS, it can help improve glycolipid metabolism. So two things in there, glucose, lipids, um, and therefore can improve our insulin sensitivity. It can also improve what we've already spoken about, that androgenic profile, which is androgenic, if you say it that way, androgenic, androgenic, potato, potato, um, <laughs> testosterone profile, and due to its kind of anti-inflammatory properties, um, it can reduce blood pressure, which can be an issue in women with PCOS. Again, lots of strong evidence supporting this. If you have the PDF version of this resource, there are some references in there. Omega-3 is something that I recommend most people take anyway, if you are not currently eating lots of oily fish. Um, that's something you want to be thinking about. And then again, with that, vitamin D, another one that I would recommend to most people, but specifically for PCOS, improving insulin resistance can improve your fasting glucose and insulin, which can be an issue. Again, one of the main issues we have with um, PCOS is that glucose disposal being diminished because of the insulin resistance. Um, and it may improve weight loss. In some trials, there has been uh, a little bit more significant weight loss seen with vitamin D supplementation. So between a thousand to 2000 IUs a day. Um, and the strength of evidence is really consistent both in PCOS and people without PCOS. Next one is L-carnitine. Now this is a kind of more research needed, but there has been some notable effects seen in the research that we do have. Um, L-carnitine, again, another compound produced by the body. Um, but we can also use this specific type of L-carnitine, A-L-C-A-R, um, is what you can type in to find it, which is more efficiently crossed or travels more efficiently across the blood-brain barrier. Um, but really any L-carnitine supplement will do. And we're looking at between two to three grams daily. And in the research, we have seen a decrease in, again, fasting glucose, insulin levels, insulin resistance, quite a significant decrease in triglycerides and LDL cholesterol, decrease in BMI, which is a bit of an old measurement that, you know, we're not a massive fan of. But in some cases, it does correlate with increased health markers. Um, helping more regular menstrual cycles. Uh, one study actually reported 
that 61% of women had more mens um more regular menses. Um yeah. Why was I gonna carry on speaking then? That's it. Um increase in insulin sensitivity, redu reduction in fasting glucose, triglycerides, LDL cholesterol, decrease in BMI, uh, and increase in more regular menstrual cycles. So two to three grams daily if you want to give that a go. That's not like a guarantee, right? That's just some notable effects, but more, you know, more research, more robust research on more populations and done for longer periods of time. I think a lot of the research done on L-carnitine is kind of between like eight to 12 to maybe 16 weeks. So not really that long. Then we've got berberine. Berberine is a really interesting one, right? A lot of the evidence into berberine is actually conducted on people with type two diabetes. But some of the research suggests that berberine and the way that it works in lowering glucose, blood glucose, might actually rival some of the anti-diabetic drugs like metformin, okay? So when we look at people with metabolic disorders, um, we can see that berberine might improve blood lipids, liver enzymes, and reduce body weight and fat mass. But a lot of these trials kind of looking into these outcomes have quite poor methodological quality. So the methods used weren't great, right? So they're, they're not as robust as we'd like them to be. We do want more high quality clinical evidence, but the highest kind of quality clinical evidence that we do have actually comes from improvements in hormonal health in women with PCOS. So lots of studies being done into women with PCOS, and showing that Burberry may improve hormonal, hormonal outcomes, improving glycolipid metabolism again, improving insulin sensitivity, might even improve ovulation rate per cycle, which is really important. Sometimes we can see women having menstrual cycles, but not actually ovulating. Reducing LDL, it can help in some cases with the redistribution of adipose tissue, what we can find in some women with PCOS because of the male hormones that are higher than usual, that can change where we store fat. A lot of that sitting more around the middle, giving us more of an apple shape than the normal pear shape that we have. That also means reduction in visceral fat, which is a great kind of reduction in a health marker. Um, and like I've already said, some of this linking it to rivaling things like metformin in reducing this insulin resistance, um, even in the absence of weight loss, because a lot of the positive effects that we see from certain supplements or certain interventions are accompanied by weight loss, but this seems to work sometimes in the absence of that. Fascinating. Um, so the evidence is really promising, but there needs to be more high quality clinical trials done on this. It's a very much watch this space area. Um, so if you want to give it a go, go and have a look at it. Speak to your GP, your gynecologist, and maybe have a, have a look at supplementing that. You're looking at three separate doses of around 500 milligrams a day. That's what they've used in the, um, in the trials that we do have. Now, this one is a new one to me, okay? Chromium. Chromium picolinate, picolinate, 
mate, why are words so hard to pronounce? Picolinate. <laughs> Picolinate. That sounds like a a process that you put a pickle through. I picolinated it. Anyway. Anyway, I digress. Um, chromium is a funny mineral, right? It's not something that you probably hear much of. But it does play quite an important role in insulin function. And, you know, if I had a pound for every time I said insulin in this podcast, I probably wouldn't need to make any more podcasts for a few weeks. Um, And it also plays a really good role in breaking down carbohydrates and enhancing their use within the body. So all of this is tied to like your blood glucose levels, um, glucose metabolism, those kind of things. So those with PCOS have actually been seen to have lower chromium levels than those without. Ha, so now you can start to piece together that supplementation with chromium might then be linked with improved insulin response, improved glucose, improved cholesterol levels. And um, there was a study done in teenagers with PCOS and it found that a high dose of chromium supplement for six months led to an improvement in menstruation, lower testosterone and less physical signs of PCOS via ultrasound. Fascinating. Now this is very new, very, very new. But again, if you want to speak to GP, gynecologist, around 500 to 1,000 micrograms daily is safe from what we see in the research. Um, But, you know, if I'm giving you all these supplements, that's a lot of things to try. So I don't want you to listen to this and go, right, I'm getting berberine, I'm getting chromium, I'm getting L-carnitine on top of my inositol and vitamin D and uh, my omegas. I would say let's go down the kind of hierarchy. Let's start with your inositol. You should be taking vitamin D and omegas anyway. And then maybe let's try L-carnitine or berberine. Let's give them a go. See if that helps. Um, If not, try the opposite. You know, again, if nothing seems to change alongside all the other lifestyle interventions and you can't really afford to carry it on, then maybe you might have a look at something like chromium. Super fascinating areas. I want to bring them to your attention. I think it's worth noting. Um, Also, another one that I haven't put in the PDOF, but funnily enough, um, cinnamon. Cinnamon has been linked with improving insulin sensitivity. So, you know, when we're talking about supplement, we don't need to technically supplement it, but maybe adding in like a teaspoon of cinnamon to something that you have every day, whether it's fruit and yogurt, whether it's porridge oats, whether it's a smoothie, um, that's kind of similar to what you would get in a cinnamon supplement anyway. Um, But they have been associated with period regularity, uh, regular ovulation, improved insulin resistance. So throwing that one in there as well, um, because that's a really harmless one. Like we can all, you know, I'm sure none of us are averted to a little bit of cinnamon if you are, maybe put it in something you're baking or eating. But yeah, those are the main supplements of focus when it comes to PCOS. Um, and I just wanted to keep you updated and in the know. Maybe I'll even add a Google Drive link into the notes of this podcast for you to download the PDF PDF if you want it. All I say is that if you share it, please do tag me, please do let me know, share this podcast if you know somebody that has PCOS or you're going to share it with your clients, I hope it's been useful, Um, 
I am actually doing a bit of a smaller conference for my clients in January and we're going to delve into PCOS on a nutrition and exercise and lifestyle intervention front. So there may be a limited amount of tickets available for that. So if it's something that you're interested in, keep your eyes peeled on this podcast, on my Instagram, on my email list. And you may be able to bag yourself a ticket for that. Um, especially if you have or you work with people with PCOS. Right, I'm going to stop rambling. It's been a pleasure, as always. I hope you're having a wonderful morning, afternoon, or evening whenever you're listening to this. I will be back, no doubt, in a few days. And any questions, you can ping them to me via email or an Instagram DM. And I will catch you all caffeinated, hydrated, and masturbated very soon. Ciao, ciao.